This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. In church life, um, that are just that a pastor would, you know, love to speak about because there's some topics that really go down a treat when you're preaching, okay? And um, you don't have to, you know, convince too many people to journey with you for the next half hour because they want to hear it. There are some topics that you know are going to be tricky to teach. There's going to be some topics that might be a little bit of an uphill struggle for the half hour. Um, that you're going to be speaking. I think this topic could fall into that category (laughs) because I want to talk about fasting, okay? And um, I guess fasting as a concept runs quite contrary to the society, to the culture, to the time that we are living in today because society moves at a really fast pace, everything's instant, we haven't really been conditioned to be able to wait for things and to slow things down. And, you know, you don't have to go far, do you? Even on Guernsey, you don't have to go far to find a cafe, to find a restaurant, to find a coffee shop. You know, it's a stone's throw away. It's all around us, the food industry and everything. My whole social life is wrapped up in eating, okay? So, you know, when me and my friends meet, it'll be for dinner, it'll be for coffee, it'll be for cake. You know, that's what I do. And so to fast actually can be pretty tricky, pretty difficult. And you just have to flick on the TV, don't you? And you see all these beautiful, wonderful adverts advertising lovely food and just so tempting for us that we want to, you know, go to M&S and buy these things. There are other establishments, obviously, but, you know, you just see it, don't you? And um, so it's hard. And and, I I think fasting is one of those things that perhaps we struggle with. You know, I, I don't know. But many, I don't hear many people say... I really look forward to fasting. I don't hear many people go, oh, tomorrow I'm going to fast. It's brilliant. I'm not going to have any food. Excellent. Um, I don't hear that often. I hear people say, yeah, I want to pray and I'm going to prayer meeting and, you know, people get excited about that. But I don't hear that about fasting so much. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. You might be sat there going, I love a good fast. I love it and I'm all for it and, you know, it's, you, don't, you can't stop, you know, stop me. Um, but I think the majority of us probably feel a little bit like, oh, fasting, do I have to? We'd much rather sit down to a lovely home-cooked roast, wouldn't we? Yeah. But it's strange that, you know, as soon as we start fasting, I don't know whether you've had this experience either, but as soon as you give something up, suddenly you want it, don't you? Like, you know, you could go for an hour without food and it'd be absolutely fine if you hadn't set yourself to fast. You just go, you don't even think about it. But as soon as you say, right, I'm fasting, that hour seems like it's really long or, you know, the time, it's just, it, it, it drags. And I think that when I'm fasting, sometimes the most um, bland, boring, plain food suddenly 
seems so exciting. It's like, yeah, I could just have that dry biscuit. <laughs> it's brilliant. Really, I could have it. Or that random, I don't know if you've got one of these at home, like a random jar of sort of beetroot, ginger, something or other, onion, chutney or something that, that stays in the back of your cupboard. You want it on a bottle stool in 98 and it's there. <laughs> you know how many of you have got one of those in, in the cupboard? Yeah, you've got it there. And it just, it stays there all on its own in the back of the cupboard, you know, it's all lonely, this little poor neglected orphan little jar of chutney, it comes and sees the other jars come and go, sat there at the back, all on its own, feeling lonely. And suddenly, when you're fasting, that little jar just comes into its own, doesn't it? It's like, yes! It just entices you. It's like ushering you. And, and it's, it's got that, it's, it's, it's moment, that little jar of chutney. Because you, you just get hungry and, and it seems inviting. It seems exciting. I wouldn't have been given a second look before. I can't say I've mastered the art of fasting at all. Um, I'm very novice when it comes to fasting. But then, then I was thinking about that. And I was thinking, well, maybe we're not supposed to master the art of fasting. Perhaps it's supposed to be a little bit tricky. It's supposed to be a little bit difficult. Perhaps we're supposed to really feel it. Perhaps that's the, that's the point of fasting anyway. But I wonder if we really understood fasting, we understood why we did it and what the purpose of it is, that actually we perhaps would look forward to it a little bit more. Perhaps if we really understood how great it is and, and what can come out of fasting, perhaps we would want to do it more. I think it's maybe like running a marathon. And I've got no frame of reference for that analogy whatsoever. But I'm guessing it's like running a marathon. Um, when, you know, it's gruelling experience going through it, perhaps, but it's really worthwhile at the end. Like, you really have that sense of achievement, like you've done something. And we're going to look today a little bit of fasting, briefly, trying to summarise a few things in a nutshell um, as we go into this 40 days. Because over the next few Sundays, I'm going to be speaking on prayer, but I wanted to start off with speaking on fasting because I think it's something perhaps we do less and we know less about. So as we embark on this time, I wanted us to be prepared. And I have given you some notes in the little booklets about it, but I wanted to expand a little bit today on that. And there are some scholars, Foster, Whitney, Piper, there's all different scholars that you can find um, on the internet and in books about fasting. And they're some of the people that I've used today. So I do want to give a shout out to them um, and just give credit where credit's due. So what do we mean when we talk about fasting in a Christian way, okay? Because we've probably all done fasts before, right? <laughs> we've all done fasts where, um, you know, we've had to fast for medical reasons, or I remember as a kid, I did sponsored fast for water aid and all sorts of things. So we've done that. But what is the difference between that fasting and Christian fasting? John Piper puts it like this, and I think it's quite a nice, clear, succinct way. Fasting is a temporary renunciation, a rejection of something that in itself is good, like food, in order to intensify our expression of need for something greater, namely God and his work in our lives. It's a giving up of something, it's a rejection of something that is good in itself. It's not a bad thing, we're not giving up bad things, but it's in order to show our expression, our love to God. And it's to show God that we are concerned and we care about the work that he has to do here um, on earth. So I think this is a great way of looking at Christian fasting. It's not giving up things that are bad for us, but it's just an expression, it's a giving up of something that's good 
an expression, a far deeper, maybe more profound way of showing our absolute need and our absolute dependence on God. So today is a little bit different because I am going to be teaching more than I am preaching. I'm going to want to share a little bit about fasting um, because I think we need, we need both, don't we? So fasting has had a little bit of a bad press. It has got a little bit of a bad reputation. And I think that's for a number of reasons. Um, not just because it's hard to give things up. I mean, I find it hard to give things up that I like. But it's not just because of that. I just want us to take a little brief look from a historical perspective because after the destruction of the second temple what happened amongst the Jews was that fast days started to increase and um, it became something that was ordered so fast days became ordered they became specific and they had to do fasting uh, on certain days during the week and then what happened towards the end of the second century in Christendom and you know in, in the Christian church expanding what happened was that the Jewish legalism and the piety of fasting sort of influenced that as well okay and so uh, the constitutions credited Jesus with commands to fast which actually weren't particularly biblical, that weren't actually found in scripture. So people were being made to fast and, and um, being told and taught things that actually didn't come really from Jesus. And so fasting became administered as a sort of form of penance. And of course, we don't like the thought of that, do we? Um, and the Pope ordered that quarterly fasts be undertaken. And if these quarterly fasts weren't taken and people didn't do it, then it would lead to torture. So again, you know, fasting had become very disconnected to what it meant in the Bible to fast. And the connotations and the thought of that for people where they were, in, they were you know, told they had to fast, they had to do this, if they didn't, they would be tortured. Well, of course, that's going to give fasting a little bit of a bad reputation. Also, coupled with the fact that um, there was a kind of excessive ascetic practice, wasn't there, where the people you know, would give everything up. And in the Middle Ages, that kind of was about rigid regulations. It was about extreme self-mortification. And fasting was a part of that too. So I think in my mind, when you think about all that... <laughs> It doesn't give fasting a great reputation, does it? And, then, and it is hard anyway. So lump all that together. Maybe that's why we perhaps don't fast quite as much as we do the other disciplines like prayer and giving and all these things. But this morning, I hope to put fasting back on the table. Okay? I'm hoping that we will see the value of it and why it is good and why we should be doing it. And so I think we need to dig a little bit deeper into the scriptures um, to see perhaps what it says and why we should be doing it. What we need to know is that fasting is not really a requirement. It's not a command like perhaps some of the other things are. Um, it's not like in Islam where they have the time of Ramadan and, and Muslims will do that fast. They will fast from sunrise to sunset and it's a requirement. It's part of that religion. It's what they do and you would, to be a Muslim you would take part in that. We don't have that. We have a freedom. We don't, we don't have that requirement. It's not a commandment like that. But I do think that the scriptures indicate and point to this idea that we would be expected to fast and it would be part of our discipline as a follower of Christ. So let's have a little look at Matthew 6. And if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew 6, verse 16 um, to 18. Just have a quick look at these three verses. Matthew 6, 16 to 18. That's great, thank you. He's ahead of me at the, at the back there. 
And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. (coughs) Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who is in secret will reward you. I think there's something really important there, that we know we don't go around going, oh, I'm fasting, poor me. Um, I'm so hungry. And, you know, try and get that applause and praise from people around us, because that will be our reward. However, saying that, I do think it's fine, and the Bible talks about corporate fasting, where we do join in and fast together. But it's the reason why you're doing it. And I think the passage here shows clearly that if you're fasting, don't do it for the reason to impress other people. Don't do it for that. Don't let that be your motivation, like the hypocrites. Actually, you're doing it for God. So if people find out you're fasting, that's okay. You know, we don't have to like be all cloak and dagger about it. We can corporately fast together, but we're not doing it for that purpose. I think that's what that passage is saying there. But what I want to pick out in this in this passage is something important because the teaching on fasting here, where Jesus was teaching, it was placed in the context of teaching about prayer and about giving, things that we just take for granted as the Christian journey and the Christian life. And I think it shows that Jesus just took for granted that his followers would fast. That he was speaking about prayer, he was speaking about giving, he was speaking about fasting, and there was this, just this expectation that's what they would do. And the little phrase here highlighted the use of the term when rather than if, uh, when you fast, kind of as well just, just points to the fact that, yeah, it's, it's supposed to be practised. It's not if you fast, it's when you fast. When you fast, do this. So I think it does show us that there is this expectation that we would do that. But it's not a commandment. It's not Jesus is saying, you must do it. Um, We don't have that rule on us. But it's simply just, you know, that expectation when you fast. So I think we should be doing it. But I think we need to understand why we're doing it. Maybe that's where we sometimes think, what's the point of it? What is the purpose of it? And biblical fasting does have to have a purpose. It does have to have a spiritual purpose. Because as Richard Foster says, um, fasting, fasting can become just, if it doesn't have a purpose, can become a miserable, self-centred experience. And I've got to admit that I've had some of those experiences, some of those miserable, self-centred experiences when I've fasted. I've given up things for Lent before. You might have done this as well, Okay. And, you know, had a miserable 40 days of craving meat or, um, you know, wanting chocolate or a cup of tea or anything like that. Um, I've been through that, those, those times, and it's been pretty miserable. And I haven't enjoyed it, and it's been pretty self-centred because I haven't really done it with God in mind or trying to connect with God. I've just done it for discipline's sake. I've done it because it's Lent. And actually, there's not been any real value, only me being miserable. So, I get that. I get that we do have to have some sort of purpose behind it, because otherwise we might think, well, why am I doing this? Why am I giving up all this nice stuff? So, it's essential that when we decide to fast, we recognise why we're doing so. And if there's no recognition um, as to the impact that fasting should have on us, or as, as a church, then it can just be an empty ritual. But it's important to understand what fasting is. Fasting is about changing us, not God. Okay, fasting is about changing the person, 
and not God. Not changing God, but changing us. And actually, I'll be sharing about that with prayer as well in these disciplines. It's not about changing God, it's about changing us and our heart. You know, fasting has to be centred on God. It's not a means to get our own way. It's not a means to just receive a blessing from God. It's not to get something we want. If we focus purely on the benefits of fasting, then we've missed the point of why we're fasting, if that's all we're doing that for. Spiritual fasting is not just abstaining to receive. And neither is it a way to get favour from God. Because as I was praying this morning, nothing we can do can make God love us any more or less. So I could fast till my heart's content every day, whatever, it's not going to make God love me anymore. It's not gonna, I'm not going to gain any more brownie points or win any favour. It doesn't matter. That's not why we're doing it. Okay? You know, we are accepted in Christ right as we are right now. So let's have a little look then, explore a bit more about the purpose of fasting. Matthew 9, let's look up this passage now. Matthew 9, 14 to 17. And uh, Jesus is questioned here uh, about fasting. So we'll have a little look at this. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples, Jesus, they do not fast? Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst and the new wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins and so both are preserved. Okay, so when questioned then as to why his disciples, why Jesus' disciples didn't fast, but the Pharisees did, Jesus' response is, how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he's with them? The time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them and then they will fast. And so I think this passage here in Matthew 9, verse 15, is perhaps one of the most important statements in the New Testament on whether we should fast today. Because I think there's that expectation here that, yes, we should be fasting, because we're in that period, we're in that time now, from when Jesus first came to waiting for his return. This is where we are. This is the time we're living in. And so... I think that is clear to us that we should probably be fasting. But Jesus ushers in a new day because his disciples were going to fast again. However, it was going to be different for different reasons. It was going to be done, the fasting was going to be done in a different spirit that characterised the fasting of before that the Pharisees were doing. It would be a new way of fasting. New wine needs new wineskins. And so the context of fasting in Jesus' mind is a longing, a longing of his followers for the kingdom to come, a longing for that return of Jesus. That's what the fasting will indicate in this new day, as you know, Jesus says, you know, my, my disciples aren't fasting now because I'm here. When I go, they will. But it will be a new type of fasting. It will be a longing, an aching in, in the Christian heart for God to come and do his work and Jesus to return. And John Piper gives this really interesting thought, and I love this idea. He said, fasting is a physical exclamation point at the end of the sentence. A physical exclamation point at the end of the sentence. At the end of the sentence, I need you. At the end of the sentence, I long for you. 
At the end of the sentence, I want more of you. At the end of the sentence, come Lord Jesus, come. It's that exclamation, fasting is like that. And I think that's a lovely way to look at it. It's a, it's a way of our heart's cry saying, God, we're longing for you. God, we're expressing our love and our devotion to you. And we're going to show you that through fasting. We're going to show you how much you mean to us, how much we're longing for you by sacrificing, by giving something up. It expresses, fasting expresses our ache for Jesus. It's an expression of our hunger for God. And it's not like the fasting before that the Pharisees or in Old Testament times were doing before Jesus. It was a different fasting then because they didn't have Jesus and they didn't know Jesus. But we're in a time when we do know Jesus and we do have Jesus in our life and we know Jesus' love and we know Jesus' forgiveness and we know Jesus. So that's why it's different for us. So what our fasting is, is it's, it's an expression, yes, of our love for God, but it's an expression of God, we want you to return. It's that longing in our aching in our hearts as well. And I think this makes the Christian fasting unique to all other fasting that is done, perhaps. You know, sometimes people say, well, I'm going to fast um, a meal or lunch and I'm going to use that time that I would be eating my lunch or preparing my lunch to devote to God and I'm going to spend some time with God. And that's great. Okay, that's a really um, beneficial thing to do. That's a great way of using fasting, saying actually what fasting is going to do is going to give me more time and I'm going to use that time to devote to God. But that's only one little tiny aspect of what fasting is. It's not about the time issue necessarily because you might decide that you're going to fast chocolate I don't know, whatever you like, I'm just thinking of things I like. You might fast chocolate or fast cup of tea or um, you might, you know, I don't know, whatever it is, you choose something. And you might fast that for the 40 days. And you're not, getting, you're not gaining any time back from that, are you? Well, however long it takes to eat a chocolate, but <laughs> 10 seconds, I know. Um, it doesn't take long, does it? So I'm not gaining any time by giving something up like that. So what's the point of that? Well, the point is, is this is what I'm doing is I'm saying, right, God, no, I really like this thing, but I am absolutely willing to give it up for you. And in that giving up of something, you are showing and expressing your love for God. That's what it is. It's not just about a time thing. It's not just about getting extra time to spend with God, but it's about showing God that, that he is the most important thing in our life. I'm not enslaved to anything else in my life. Nothing else is more of a priority. And if I can't put something down, if I can't lay it to rest, then maybe I do have an issue with that particular thing. So I think that's the important thing that we we see in fasting, that it is just a kind of symbolic act. It's an expression of saying, I'm going to give this up for you, Lord, and I want to show you how much I love you by doing this. I find it really tough to give up tea. really do. (laughs) Um, A good cup of tea, you know, that would be difficult for me. So it's anything that, you know, we, we might just really love doing, but we're saying, God, I'm going to lay it down. I'm not going to be enslaved by this thing. You are the most important thing in my life. So yes, it can be a time thing, but it can also just be like a symbolic expression of our longing and our love for Christ. Let's look at a final passage in Acts 13, 1 to 3. It speaks about the purpose of fasting again. And it talks about Barnabas and Saul being sent off. And interesting, it says, 
In verse 2, while they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, while they were worshipping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. You know, this is an illustration here how fasting is so important to ministry, important to world-changing ministry. Um, the leaders of the church here are, ex- are fasting to express the need for God. They're fasting to show God that they need God, they need God's guidance in this, and they're going to do it through a physical thing, through their bodies. And whilst they do that, they hear from the Holy Spirit, so they're guided by the Holy Spirit to send Saul, Paul and Barnabas off. And of course, we know that Barnabas and Paul were like just the catalyst, weren't they, for spreading the gospel and, and, and ministry and mission. And so I think here it shows that, you know, one of the purposes of fasting was to really just say, God, we really need you and we really need your guidance on this issue. And the Holy Spirit spoke into that situation and so thankful that he did. And then they set Paul and Barnabas aside to go and do the work and it was a life-changing ministry. That's all been very quick about fasting. We could go into it forever in lots of depth and lots of different areas. But I think for me, I really just want us to, to understand and know that fasting is as much an act of worship as our singing, as our praying, as our giving. It's one of the disciplines. And in my life, I've got to admit, it's probably the most neglected discipline that, you know, that there is. And I think it's because sometimes when we've done it or we do it, we're wondering, what is this for? And I think if we just simply see that what it's for is it's just an act of worship. It's just an act of worship to God to express our love for him and to, to show him that he is above all things and nothing takes more importance in our lives than him. I highlighted in the... Um, book, the little prayer booklet um, some of these bullet points I don't want to read them all out but other purposes for fasting and I've just put them there, you know, to humble ourselves to express our love to express concern for the work of God and that's what we'll be doing as we pray for things and we, we pray for the island and our family and our friends and the things that as a church we're going to be doing as well in the community so there's lots of different, different things there to strengthen our prayer life as well that we can use fasting for and you can read through that a little bit further but I also wanted to highlight you know why we are doing it as a church well it's doing it because it's a discipline and we probably should be but I think I just come back to this moment this time of preparation and we perhaps like those church leaders and acts need guidance from God and it's a way of giving things up and, and just preparing ourselves and saying you know God what do you want us to be doing and, and, and just hear from God Jesus spent 40 days that's why we have Lent in the wilderness before his public ministry um, and that was an important preparation time for what he then went into so I think it's important for us to prepare important for us to focus just to keep ourselves focused on Christ and, and just be spirit led to worship and express, express even our adoration for God um, it's about ministry to enable us to pray more powerfully for the ministries in the church, what we'll be going into, up and coming events. It keeps us outward looking, keeps us looking at other people and, and people around us in the community. And it's Lent. So 
what better thing to do than to follow our church calendar, which is at the time of Lent. So that's um, another reason. Okay. So just quickly, um, as I finish, I just want to say there's a few things to give us uh, ideas about how to fast. Because you might be sitting there going, right, well, I've never fasted before. What am I going to do? Or you might have had a bit of experience of fasting, but it's not been great. Or you might fast every week and it's fantastic. And actually, if you are like a real faster and you do it quite regularly and and you know, we, I want to hear about that. So in our time together over the 40 days, if we can share our experiences of prayer and fasting, I think that would be really good too, to encourage one another. Um, but you might be thinking, okay, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to give up on a Friday? Or what am I going to give up for the 40 days? Like I said, there is no obligation to do this. Um, we don't have to. It's not a commandment. You must fast. But when you fast. So some of the things that um, I've just pointed out here, and it's biblical. You can have t- three different types. You can have absolute fast, where you don't take anything in, okay, at all. Don't do that for the 40 days, please. Um, but uh, we do want you to be here afterwards. Um, but you might, for a certain period of time, just do no liquid or no food. Um, I, I always would drink something, but you could do that. A normal fast would allow maybe drinks, but don't, don't take any food. And it could be for a defined time. It could be a whole day that you decide to fast on a Friday. It could be for just a lunch time. It could just be tea time. Um, if you're like me, Friday night is so like, oh, I love Friday nights. It's like treat night. Um, so <laughs> you might not be like that. But you might, you might just want to give up lunch or whatever, okay? So it just might be one meal. Um, or partial fast, that you're allowed some foods, but it's limited, like, for example, you might just eat fruit all day. You might think, I'll give up everything but fruit. Or, you know, you might just say, I'm going to give up pickles. Okay. <laughs> um, give up something that you, do, that you don't, you know, um, that is going to be hard. Don't give up something you don't like. That's not the point, right? I'm doing really well. I'm fasting from pickles. Um, so there are some of the things. Absolute, normal, partial. Just have a think. What, you know... You might one Friday you might do this, one you might do that. You might give up something for a whole forty days. Um, I think I've missed. Uh, I don't know. Oh no. Um, just quickly in the Old Testament, there's lots of different things that you can look at, and you can look at this on your own. But Esther fasted. Um, she and the Jews they didn't they didn't eat or drink for three days. Daniel he did a fast. He only drank water and ate vegetables. I'm going to say if you're going to do a fast where you're only eating vegetables, okay. Can you warn us? Can <laughs> <laughs> say that, okay? Um, David fasted various times. The king of Nineveh called the people to, to fast. Uh, the New Testament, we've got Jesus. He fasted for 40 days in the wilderness. The disciples of John the Baptist, the Pharisees, they all fasted. The apostles fasted. And then we've just seen Paul and Barnabas were fasting too. So we know that it's biblical that we should be fasting. But I want to finish on this, and it's worth us all remembering what David Smith, a great theologian, said. If fasting becomes an end in itself, then it is worthless. It becomes a routine for routine's sake. It's nothing more than a ritual devoid of benefit. So every Christian's responsibility, so it is every Christian's responsibility to plan their own fasting habit. This means that we've been given great freedom with regards to fasting. There is no set rules binding us. However, this freedom does not mean license. It means opportunity. And I love that idea. We have so much freedom. There's no rules. There's no regulation. So it's great. 
You know, there's no this, you have to do this, you have to do that, there's no enforcement at all. But with that freedom comes great opportunity for us to get involved and do something. And if we've never fasted, or we have, but we've done it sporadically, and it's not something that we do regularly, maybe this is the time when we can go, yeah, actually, you know what? I'm going to revisit this discipline. I'm going to see what fasting is like, and, and I want to do something. I want, You know when you come to that point sometimes in your Christian life and you think, God, what more can I do to show you how much I love you? You know, you, you've sung the songs, you've prayed the prayers, you've read the word, you've done stuff, and you think, I just want to express, God, how much you mean to me and how much I really love you. And I think fasting is a great way to do that because I find it really difficult. I find it really hard to give things up that I love to do. I don't want to give up my TV. I don't want to give up looking on Twitter or I don't want to give up food. And so doing it is like a great way for me to go, God, actually, no, you are the most important thing in my life and I'm going to show it by putting these things to one side for a moment. So I wonder if we can do that. I wonder if we can get as excited about fasting as we can about prayer and pudding. And invite the worship group to come back. Um, and I hope maybe, um, I know it's a different morning, it's a little bit more, it was teachy rather than preachy, but I think that's important too. And, and sometimes we go through church life and we just know about these things, but we don't really do things or we don't really know the purpose why we're doing them. And sometimes it's important just to be reminded of that again. Okay, so um, let's take up the challenge over these next 40 days and see what we can fast and just ask God, you know, maybe if there's something that you think, yeah, I'm going to give that up and uh, I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to express my love and my adoration to God through this. Let us stand together. Father God, I thank you that your word as ever is living and breathing. Your word is inspiring to us. We are encouraged by your word. And Lord, we thank you that as we read your word, we realise that um, your disciples, the people, they fasted. And uh, it was kind of just an expected thing. And Lord, I'm not sure that perhaps we know exactly what we're doing when we fast. Not always sure and don't always do it. But God, we want to. And we want to get to that place where we can give things up to show you how much we love you and how much you, you mean to us. And God, I pray that this next 40 days will be such an exciting time for us as we think about those things that we can fast. And as we do that, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us would have a new, fresh encounter of who you are. God, I pray that in our sacrifice, Lord, we would see, um, see you again. And Lord, that we would be renewed by you. And that we would hear your spirit speaking into our hearts and lives. Lord, it's all about you. We want to keep ourselves centred and focused on you, Jesus. And we want to show you how concerned we are for our family and for our friends and for the people in this island, for our community. We want to express to you how much they mean to us and how much of a longing in our heart that we've got for things to change and for people to change and be transformed. So God, I pray that you would stir us up and that you would help us and that you would inspire us to do this. And as we do it, Lord, I pray we would meet you. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delance Healing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website 
at gelancyelam.co.uk. 